You're listening to the EMS Wise Guys Podcast. Yeah, stand by for the EMS Wise Guys. Eh? Red 11, standing by. Red 5, standing by. Good day and welcome to the EMS Wise Guys podcast being brought to you not from the Speakeasy Studios, but from my dining room table and from JD's uh, kitchen coffee nook. Uh, this is Sean Halsman and with <laughs> me is the audacious JD, John DiVirgilio. Uh, that's your coffee nook there, JD? Yes, this is uh, my project I did for my wife. Um, we had a uh, We had a sectional couch that I made a table for. And then we got rid of the sectional couch, so I wanted to repurpose the table. So I made her a nice coffee bar. We got a coffee maker back here. It, it, you know, it our grinders over here somewhere, right there. Grinders over there. All the coffee mugs we hang up there. Filtered water. My ammo black rifle am, ammo can. It's coffee's important. Yes, yes, coffee's very important in this house. And so, because, uh, yeah, because we're doing this via Zoom tonight. Um, yeah, that's pretty we cool. Actually, we actually have a, a view of JD's, you know, dining area. So that's awesome. Yeah, and then you get the water damage on the wall from our shower. I least, actually can't so. see that. Oh, good. The the AK forty seven must be covering it up. Yeah, I, I actually can't see any water damage there. So oh, it's a big hole. It's the big hole. Oh, okay, right there. That's below the Death Star tea, tea infuser. You're you're small on my screen, so if you oh, have a big well, hole, it, it's a tiny hole. Oh, see now I can see it. Now I've zoomed yeah, in. Yeah, now you've zoomed in. Great. <laughs> well, we're not gonna have this video, anyways. Yeah. So uh, we've been gone. It's been weird. We've been the whole busy. World's weird, dude. The whole the whole world is weird. I, I'm I'm so done with this. Uh, the, the the getting back to school and are we going back to school and are no. the kids going back to school and I yeah. Yeah, I don't know about your district, but our school district uh, released their plan. Uh, as far as plans go, I guess if you call it a plan, that's that's great. Um, it's it's not much of a plan, but what do you got? I don't know. We are uh, we're given the option of uh, going three three. Well, it's basically every other day. So Ooh, three, out of, yeah. three out of six three out of six days. So they run that uh, A through F day schedule. And it's oh, they're doing three out of six days. Yeah, so it's not, and I'm, what I'm guessing is that they're going to be. I haven't read. It's like 53 pages long, and I haven't read the whole thing yet. But uh, my wife's been checking it out, and um, you know, it, it sounds like you'll go on one or the other groups of days. So either like ACE or you know BDF. Yeah, our uh, district. Or you, or you have, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we got, we got have, a little yeah. audio delay with yeah, this uh, we have the Zoom. option of uh, distance learning also. So you can you can choose that, or you can just homeschool your kids. Which, you know, what I just might do that because. Um, See, I'm, I'm, I'm I done. I like that option of, you know, hey, it you you as a parent don't feel safe, right? So you as a parent can homeschool your kids. We're going to give you that option. I like that. But I think the other flip side of this is, is based on some of the stuff you can read. And uh, it's a quick Google search, actually. Um, there's a study that says that there's been zero cases of transmission from children to adults. And this was before all this stuff just happened at that uh, summer camp. So I haven't looked into that yet. Ah, uh, yeah. That, that's, so that's the numbers gonna, on that summer camp sound weird to me. Yeah, it, it seems odd. 50%. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I haven't looked at it. Um, I, I literally just saw it probably a half hour before we got on here when I was just scrolling, looking for stuff for today. Um, 
And then, uh, yeah, our district, they're going to do pretty much two groups, A group and B group, and they are going to um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Monday, Tuesday at school, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday at home. The other group will be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at home, and then Thursday, Friday in school. So my kids are going to be the uh, Monday, Tuesday group based on our last name. So. Cool. It is not easy being that we, no. my wife and I are both essential workers and trying to figure out what we're going to do about having two kids home where we're going to, you know, have to be parents and teachers and stuff that we're not familiar with because I'm definitely not a teacher. Well, and, you know, for for our side, I mean, being involved in the education training side of things, I, you know, I had a decent break for a little while because we were canceling all of our classes. But, you know, we're, we're back up and running now because we just you know, people got to get trained and we need new providers. So I'm back pretty much uh, every day. And uh, this will be a busy week for me because, uh, as you know, we have our trauma class tomorrow and Tuesday. I'm excited for tomorrow and Tuesday. That's, that's going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be. You're, you're going to be, be so mad at me. And I think some of our other managers are going to be mad at me tomorrow because I busted out my old CC shirts. Because <laughs> you guys told us to wear crappy clothes and I wanted to at least be in a uniform for this training class. So Well, well a shout, shout out to... Uh, um, the EMS plumb line in Rochester and Terry Taylor, who runs that organization. If uh, you happen to be looking for online training solutions, uh, check out EMS plumb line. Uh, good, good group there. Terry's a great guy, but uh, we initially took this course. Uh, this is the uh, NAEMT PHTLS course, which we took uh, with Terry and that we we're getting audited for our instructorship for tomorrow. And uh, we weren't told the first day to bring old clothes. So you can imagine our surprise <laughs> when we walked into the first scenario and they had a uh, pump hooked up to fake blood that was spewing uh, arterial bleed uh, literally across the room. And there was just puddles everywhere. And <laughs> Oh, good. So I'm getting <laughs> yeah. a little insight to what we got going on tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. So I think that pump is actually coming tomorrow. Uh, it's Terry is, hasn't lied to me and, uh, and it'll be there tomorrow for one of the scenarios. So that's uh, fantastic. Good, good stuff there. I have pictures of that look at crime scene. So it was pretty fun. Um, oh, good. So, um, yeah, we've been busy. Back to call volumes coming back with a vengeance at some days. And yep. we, uh, we, we had a plan to have a, have an episode out, um, shortly after Sean and I, uh, posted about me doing some of my field internship, uh, with him the other day and, uh, or earlier, well, it's, it's been a month. <laughs> Yeah, it'll yeah. be a month when we release this. Uh, so it, it's been a month. And, uh, you know, that that week after we had planned to record uh, based off of the experience that I had that day, because um, I thought it was a cool topic to talk about that. You know, we, we really that's it's an unsaid thing in EMS. Um, <clears throat> so it, it, we uh, yeah, I'm losing my train of thought here because I have too many cords going across my kitchen and I'm trying to figure out what each one does and. That can be uh, tremendously distracting. Yeah, no. So we, uh, w- that following week when we had planned to, to record this, we ended up on an ambulance five days a week. I think yeah. I spent a total of two hours in my office and, you know, we were out taking calls and unfortunately I didn't have enough. Um, there, there wasn't enough managers when I, went, when I ended up going out where I could uh, triple up so I could, uh, you know, do some field internship stuff there. But, uh, Hopefully we got we got a whole bunch of new hires that cleared out and I can start getting on with one of the FTOs and I'm excited Wait. after this week because it's going to be a heck of a week. 
you uh, you you had some kind of horseshoe uh, in right up in in the dark place there. I, <laughs> every single every time I've ever precepted a new paramedic, you know, it's taken us two or three weeks to get anything decent. And, and you know, we called in service, rolled out of the driveway, and were immediately dispatched to a cardiac crash. <laughs> I scared that I, we had uh, we had the funniest part. I think the weirdest like thing of this whole thing was is our partner that day was uh, Austin. And Austin, oh, it was it was Lewis, 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 Lewis. Uh, sometimes I get him confused. Sorry, Lewis. Because he, 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 I know you're anyways. Yeah, <laughs> I know Austin is. Um, but yes, it, it was funny. They were uh, boot, uh, it was one of our boot campers. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and we had a good relationship and we're driving down the street and he we get dispatched to it. And I said, heck, yeah, code. And he's like, I've never heard somebody get so excited over that. <laughs> you, were, you were pretty stoked. I was pretty stoked. I, I haven't had a uh, actually not that I want to see people dead, you know, but uh, yeah, uh, it's been a while since I've had a, a critical call. So, um, you know, it was good to get the uh, shake off a little bit. Of the dust right. there we we the, mean uh, in the aspect of most people don't get this stuff in my first shift as a paramedic trainee, I get my first call as a cardiac arrest and i told you on the I, way to the call with my first call working as an emt was a cardiac arrest on yes. my first one online was a bls um, well, code in the city of buffalo I, I i will say uh to all our listeners not just because jd is my friend but um you know just because it's true uh jd uh actually did a remarkably uh cool job uh, on this code it was uh, very smooth probably one of the smoothest cardiac arrests i've worked and uh, you know, I, I know you've you've practiced JD as a as a, a CC for for a while, so it's not your uh, it's not your first rodeo by any stretch. But um, you know, being the first first time as a paramedic in charge of the cardiac arrest, um, which invariably led to the end of the cardiac arrest, um, which I think is going to be the topic of our discussion today. Yeah. Um, so we'll give a little background on this. Uh, you know. This is the first real time that I've been on a truck during COVID, um, except that you know the occasional go out and cover a corner and we get brought back because you know, we, we that's what we do in our company is uh, we don't drop calls. We don't hold calls. We, we try to respond to everything as quickly as possible. But um, with the lower call volume and stuff, it was rare that we ever went out. So it was uh, trying to prepare days leading up to that with, you know, all our policy changes and making sure I was familiar with when I'm supposed to wear a mask, when I'm not supposed to wear a mask, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I was kind of, I had my head filled of all COVID-19, like we were going to see all this stuff the whole time, which was odd. And, uh, you know, it was a, it was a weird experience, but, you know, I, I was reviewing my protocols that morning and I was kind of like, all right, let's just focus. We're going to have fun. It's going to be me, Sean and, uh, and Lewis, and we'll, we'll crank out a good time. And, you know, we probably won't see much cause it hasn't been that busy. You know? yeah, right. first call. So, uh, you know, we, we get to this house and fire's already there. Um, you know, we kind of make the decision, you know, throw on your mask, go upstairs, um, and I'll go upstairs. I'll, I'll grab the, I think, what did I grab? I think I grabbed the blue bag, um, which has got all the uh, airway stuff and, and uh, you know, it's got the air, yeah, pretty much the airway stuff and bleeding control and all that. So I went upstairs and, you know, walked in and the fire department was doing, uh, just was uh, taking the AD patches off. They had no shock advice said all right is he still warm no pulse fire department i'm like all right let's start cpr so we started cpr we ended up uh working for a little about 25 minutes um no changes in the rhythm but uh, i did get to experience my first io um in the humoral head that i stole from sean because sean was kind of upset but (laughs) he hadn't got to do it on a person yet 
I, um, I didn't fight you on that. Nope, nope. You handed it right over. Um, <laughs> and I got my first experience with the air track on a real patient and uh, learned firsthand, even though we lecture everyone bring suction in, we forgot our suction. So um, I said, hey, somebody grab the suction in it because I couldn't see anything. So I said, somebody grab the suction. And by the time they got the suction to me, I was like, oh, wait, I can get this. And I ended up sinking the tube. You know, we did a couple rounds of drugs, no shock. The hardest part of this call was now being in charge. And as part of being in charge, one of the things you have to do is make notification to family. And for me, I had never had to do that before. Um, Sean, you and I have uh, been partners on various calls and been on cardiac arrests and, and whatnot for our entire, well, my entire career. So we, uh, so we had the, uh, you know, I, I, I'm in charge now. You know, you and I have had calls, like I just said, I'm trailing off because this is a kind of hard conversation. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, uh, I, I know, I know this one hit you and, and uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll give you a break so you can catch your uh, catch your motor for a second but uh yeah i mean to to, to our listeners you know we, we we cleared this call and and um we're going to talk a little bit about this process of delivering news and, and 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 the way you know i like to do it and there certainly are some good good ways that other people have to do it as well uh but it, we we got outside after this was done we're putting the equipment back in the ambulance and uh I said to JD, you want me to sit in the back of the truck so you can hang out up front and, you know, type your, uh, your, your patient care report. And, uh, JD said, you know, just, no, I'm gonna hang out back here. I, I just need a minute. I'm like, okay. So, you know, not really knowing what was up. Uh, next thing I knew is that he was on the phone, which I think, I think you called your wife. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I trucks loud. I couldn't really hear what's going on back there, but then, then, uh, we got back to the station later and, uh, JD shared, uh, you know, a little bit that, uh, he had a little bit of a hard time with the, uh, with the delivering of that, that news and, um, not, not unexpected. Uh, so, you know, what, what was your experience of that? I mean, what, what, you know, what start from like where you, 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 you know, we, we called it and you walked out to the kitchen. Yeah. So, um, you know, and looking at back at it you you had gone out about 10 minutes into the code it was i think it was shortly after we had the uh shortly after we got the io and i think i was switching to to do the uh, et tube and you uh you had gone out there you would let the, the the girlfriend know um what was going on and uh that we were doing stuff and then uh we got to the end and i looked at you and i said you know I, we ended up pushing by carbon i was like all right, let's let that run for a few minutes and we'll see. There was no change. It was the ETCO2 was what he was up at 42 at one point. It was high, but then it dropped right Yeah, down. it was it was odd when we when we had it on. And then uh, you know, you're like, all right, what do you want to do? And I said, I think we're we're we've done everything we can do. He goes, you you he goes, you go. Um, why don't you call the doc? Which was <laughs> shockingly enough was as hard as hard well almost as hard as talking to the family but you know i talked to the doc and um you know then it was like you're like all right go talk to the family and i'm like fuck so i you know i, I walked out and uh you know they were the family was in the kitchen and you know I, I got down on one knee and i was sitting in front of the wife the or the girlfriend and she was sitting in a chair and there was a younger um probably teenage aged or, or late teens maybe um, girl sitting next to her what I would assume is either the patient's daughter or her daughter and then there was an um, a older teenaged male standing next to them you know and it, at, 
you know, I know how to deliver the news. Like I've been through this, but, um, you know, just in, in thinking about everything that's been going on this year with, you know, this girl looked like she could have been a senior in high school. The boy looked like he could have been a senior in high school. And just thinking about the stuff that they're, they just went through with their senior year. And now they're losing a father figure essentially, or a father. And, uh, we're there for that. And, you know, that, that really struck a chord with me and, and, you know, you know, I told the wife, I, I know to tell him like, you know, sorry, your husband or your, your boyfriend is dead. Um, this, we, we've done everything we can for him. His heart's not reacting to any of our treatments. There's nothing else we can do at this point. You know, we've called the doctor. We've talked to him right now. We're, we're time of death. You know, your, 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 your boyfriend is dead. Um, you know, and, and she said, <laughs> And you didn't put, I didn't realize this till you pointed it out later, but she said, thank you. Um, and then we loaded our stuff up. You were right behind me. Um, we told her, you know, the officer is going to take over from here. He's going to set everything up from there. And we went out to the truck and you looked at me like you just said, you know, you looked at me and in my head, I'm like, I, I just, I need, I need to decompress. Um, and I, <laughs> it's funny cause we spent, what the first part of 2020 talking about resiliency and you know building up your resilience and i think this is the perfect story for it um i was shot after that i mean that call bugged me the rest of the day um you know we had two bls calls for falls in nursing homes after that um then we had the doa um which didn't really didn't bug me all that much um yeah. Uh, so then I went home that night and, you know, you had asked me before we had left uh, for the day, you'd said, hey, everything good? I'm like, yeah, no, I'm good. And then uh, I think it was either, was it that night or the next day I texted you? It was the next day. Yeah, I think it was next uh, next next morning. Yeah. So I, I reached out to a couple of friends because it was really bugging me. I talked to my wife a lot when we got home. Um, it was just the the whole process of, you know, now I'm in charge and now I'm the one that is delivering that news. I watched medics for years deliver that news and never really thought about what happens afterwards, what happens to them mentally afterwards. And, um, you know, there was, there was a time in my life and I had said this to you when you and I were talking, I did, I said, there's a time in my life where I wouldn't have given two craps about this. Like it, it just wouldn't have bugged me. Yeah, you know, and no call up until this point has bugged me like this one, and then except for except for our pediatric cardiac arrest we had, and so um, so anyways, I had talked to my wife. Sorry, uh, taking a drink. Um, I had talked to my wife that night, and uh, you know, I had talked to a, a friend of mine who was in the military, um, and is my son's godfather. I'd called and talked to him for a little bit. Um, and it, it, I just still couldn't shake the feeling. So, you know, I talked to my mom the next morning. Um, the funny part is we do people watching at her house, um, at the market. They have the people farmers. Watching? Yeah. They have the farmer's market. So, you know, I was sitting <laughs> is over that there. Like a, is that like a sanctioned event? Like you guys get together and just watch people. Oh yeah. Coffee and people watching is great. <laughs> um, That's especially fantastic. now with Corona. So I, <laughs> sorry, you know. So for people that don't know me, I like to lighten situations when I'm feeling stressed. So right now I'm like stressed out talking about this. So I'm trying to lighten the situation with a little joke in the middle of a serious call. Um, anyway, so so then I had said to you, I'm like, 
dude, it's like I didn't sleep a wink last night. This is really bugging me. You had you had sent me back a bunch of stuff and we were talking for a while. And the one thing that really got me to just like click in my head and be like, hey, you're good was you had said to me, look at it this way. You had delivered the worst news possible to somebody and they turned around and said, thank you. And and they did. And that's, you know, I I think that's, as I told you before, that is a a clear indicator of, you know, the the professionalism and and the the calmness that you brought to that really bad situation. And, um, you know, it's, it's a testament to, to you as a, as a person, not even as a provider, just as a human being, I think that you're able to deliver that news. And, and, you know, clearly it it took a, a bit of a emotional toll on you, um, as I imagine it does on, on, you know, a lot of people who, who have to do this on a regular basis. And, you know, I, I mean, I can recount the times in my career that I've had to do that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's never, it's never a good feeling, you know, it's, it's never something you want to tell somebody. So it's not something you want to hear as a person. So you have even, you know, a little bit of empathy, uh, you, you definitely can, can kind of see where people are going to be emotionally when, when they hear that news. Um, and so deliver it is kind of hard, but, uh, you, you, I thought you did well. Yeah, I, you know, and it, it it was it meant a lot, you know. You you telling me that I did really well, and you know, clinically, I th- I thought I'd knock that out of the park before you even said anything. I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I did a really good job on this. Um, it just took me a second to get like get my medic brain going. Um, but I was I was really happy with the the way that it ran. The fire department was fantastic. Um, those guys were they were on point. Like CPR was great, you know. It was it was it was different taking that step back, you know, and not being the guy that's helping the medic and, you know, doing CPR and stuff like that and, and helping guide the fire department as a partner. But, you know, to to be the medic. But, you know, it, it, it made me think about and the things that we don't teach our providers is uh, essentially um, bereavement care. You know, notification of family and all that and ways to do it. You know, I, I just went through the, the paramedic bridge program and, you know, we teach the EMT program at at work and I don't think there's any section in there that's teaching, Hey, you know, this is how you break break bad news to somebody, you know, you're going to have to, at some point, tell somebody that their, their significant other, their child, their grandparent, their parent is, is dead and no longer with us. You know, well, the larger, go ahead. The, the, the larger part of, of my experience in, in learning how to do that really came from watching my partners when I was uh, a basic EMT and then an advanced EMT, you know, uh, operating with a paramedic. Uh, and uh, I'm glad that I had the wherewithal to pick and choose the people that I thought were good and the people who were not, um, you know, I, I tried not to in, in my EMS life, at least, uh, you know, and just emulate every single person I happen to be working with. I, I really tried to pick the, the, the better uh, to follow, but um, I, I've seen all the, all the good ones and I've seen some really bad ones too. And uh, you know, some people who clearly had uh, themselves emotionally together and were able to deliver that news in a calm and compassionate way, um, you know, much like you did. And uh, on the other side of it, people who either were not secure enough with themselves to deliver that news nicely or who just weren't comfortable delivering that news and and came off very uh, cold or uh, maybe 
just not caring feeling uh, when they talk to somebody. So I, I never, as you were you know, alluding to, I, I never got any formal training. I mean, nobody ever sat down with me in an EMT class or a paramedic class and said, hey, you know, when you have to deliver that news, here are some psychological pointers, here are some things that, uh, you know, to, to stay, stay away from, here are some things to say. We, I never yeah, had I, any of that training. I think the most that we ever get is be honest and, and tell them up front, use, word, use exact words like dead not mm-hmm. they're no longer with us because you know in a time of crisis like that 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 family or that that significant other is just going to think to themselves oh they're not you so you transported why are you still here you know yeah. that, that that could be going through their head you know um you know <laughs> i'm going to share a little personal thing right now um recording today was a is a little bit of a uh <laughs> we had some family stuff going on this weekend my nephew fell 14 feet Last oh, night, geez. and my Is he okay? uh, yeah, well, he's in the ICU in Pennsylvania. Actually, wow. they they were uh, camping, um, and at the cabin, he fell 14 feet. So, you know, <laughs> the funny part is, is you and I were talking about recording, and uh, my wife took off last night because my sister in law was still here in at home because she lives in she lives right around the corner from us, um, but wasn't my brother had already gone down there for camping. And my sister-in-law was supposed to drive down today. So um, he was, uh, the stairs were kind of sketchy. They were uh, encouraging, not encouraging. They were, my my brother's in-laws were going to stay on the top floor or on the bottom floor. Um, And then my, um, sorry, I'm getting text messages about it. Uh, He's doing better. Um, my uh, so my brother and my sister in law were still staying on the top floor, so these stairs were kind of sketchy. So they're like, "Oh, let's just switch." And then uh, my nephew Connor had gone up the stairs a bunch of times already, and then uh, at one point had just fallen fourteen feet. He had a internal hemorrhage in his brain, um, some pelvis bleeding, but uh, they ended up uh, at the hospital they took him to originally. They ended up sedating him and tubing him and transporting him to the Children's Hospital in Pennsylvania. Um, he's extubated now less than 24 hours. He was extubated and they took the oh, cat. They, I literally just got the text message. He took the catheter out. So he's doing a lot better. Awesome. Um, the, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. So it's been a rough 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, in, like- in prayer, preparing for this, I'm like, Oh, good. So the, 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 my point of bringing it up was, is my sister-in-law called me last night when it happened. I was putting together a, a new bed for JJ, and she's like, I just need you to tell me it's going to be okay. My sister-in-law is a nurse, um, and she works she actually works in a hospice uh, facility. She's like, you just, you just need to tell me it's going to be okay. I'm like, okay, it's going to be okay. And she's like, well, Connor fell. I'm like, okay, well, Connor's your most accident-prone kid. He's been in the hospital like 15 times for different things, like, Okay, what happened? <laughs> like trying to make a joke out of it because that's what I thought it was going to be. And she's like, nope, he fell 14 feet. Um, they're taking him to the hospital now. And she was crying. I was like, all right, so now it's not the time to joke around with you. Um, but actually, she's, she texted me earlier today. She's like, thank you for trying to lighten the mood yesterday. So I feel a little better about that. But so, yeah, it's been a rough uh, doing all this stuff. And I'm like, all right, so, you know, telling people it's going to be okay is against the rules. <laughs> We can't tell him it for sure. And then all this stuff went down last night where he ended up getting the intubated. So, yeah, 
What's well, you sent me this. Uh, you sent me this article, which I, I want to talk about in just a second. Which um, one? The gems, at, the, the gems. The gems article. Okay. Yeah, because I think I, I like the other one too, and I think we should. Uh, I think the other one is. Well, I'll let you go because I, I think the other one is relevant to. Hey, here's quick tips for it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. Those, and it's, those, a, it's a business article, but I think um, I think it does have some good points. In which it. I thought was interesting because it's the. Anyways, go ahead with your gems article, and I'll tell you why I thought that was interesting. When we yeah. Get to it. Um. So before we get I'll to stop the gems article, bad stories. <laughs> <laughs> nobody wants to hear about all the horrible things happening in your yeah. life. Jay. Yeah. Just, am I? Uh, never mind. <laughs> I got another one too. If you really want to know, <laughs> I'll try to drag up some of my own too. Um. It, it, so before we get to that article, though, I, I do want to uh, just real quick address this and. I think I've mentioned this book before. I want to say we, uh, we, we linked it in one of our previous podcasts, uh, but it's called a uh, trauma stewardship. We uh, did. It's by, yeah. And it's, it's by uh, Laura Vander Newt Lipsky. That's a hell of a name there, but um, she's the, the book is interesting. Uh, it talks about kind of self care for, for people who deal with, you know, tragedies uh, and it's not just healthcare related. There's other things she has in there too, but she does work a lot with healthcare people. And uh, I, I saw a, discussion that she was having was it was a you know live broadcast she had done with some i think nurses at uh, at, at a major medical center someplace and she was talking about the calmness that you bring as a medical provider to to the scene when, when you're and she was specifically referring to in hospital things like when you have a code blue go out in the hospital and uh you know she said you wouldn't believe the difference that it makes when you are calm and relaxed, even when something horrible is happening in a situation. And, and her general approach was before you walk into that room, you know, if, if you're, you got the code blue, you got the crash cart, you're coming down the hall, you know, before you step into that room, especially if there's family in there, stop, take that deep cleansing breath into your belly and just relax. And then walk into that room with some kind of, just calmness about you because even if that situation goes completely awry and that person dies and doesn't make it, the, the family will remember that you, you brought some measure of, um, of control to that chaos that they were experiencing right then, you know, and, and even it was the worst day of their life. Um, it wasn't you coming in all crazy and, and out of control. Yeah. And, so uh, it's funny it's you brought that up for, because that's exactly what I did before I went on into the code. And before I went in and talk, I just took a, yeah, the deep and breath helps. I, I just, remember you telling me that before. It just it centers, you know, and I and I've I, I've started to use that more as I've gotten older. Um, mm -hmm. I think as you get older, it gets a little more. You, you start to to connect with things a little more before than than you used to, and and uh, things can get to you more. You know, obviously you have more relationships and families yeah. that patients can remind you of. So I, I do that more often nowadays. When you know, I, I, even when the call first comes out over radio, if it sounds like it's something critical, I just try to take that nice deep breath and um, just be calm on scene. And, and it, it really it affects everybody. It affects the firefighters. It affects your partners. It affects the the family members. It affects the patients. If the patients are uh, alert enough to to recognize that, but uh, it's it's great advice. You know, it's one of the best things I think I've ever heard. Um, in, in as far as like the psychology of dealing with, with, uh, patients and trauma. Uh, but this article, so, um, this is a gems article. It's an old one too. It is an old one. I don't even know what's eight, one, 16. 
Okay, yeah, so from about four years ago, uh, performing and emotionally surviving notifications of death to a patient's family. Uh, and it's a, it's a pretty long article, so I mean, I'm not going to read the whole thing here, but uh, they give a little mnemonic, which I think, you know, reading through it kind of, it hits everything. Um, and they, they call it uh, grieving, and it's, it's G-R-I-E-V, a space, and then I-N-G, but, uh, you know, it's gather the family, ensure all members are present, call for support, resources available to assist the family with their grief, chaplains, etc. cetera, uh, identify you, who you are, and uh, identify the deceased patient by name, and uh, then educate, so, so explain to the family what has happened, what you did, uh, the current state of loved one, verify, and as, as you indicated before, use words like dead or die, you don't wanna say, you know, gone or, or passed away. Uh, then the space stands for give the family some personal space, time for their emotional moment. Ask uh, or inquire as I, you know, if you can ask if there's any uh, questions and answer as many mm-hmm. questions as you can. Uh, ends for nuts and bolts, which is inquire about organ donation. That's not something that we're probably going to do in the field as much, but uh, I guess you know that that, that could be a thing. Um, and then offer the family the opportunity to view the body, which I think is extremely important. I want to go back to that uh, and then give, give them contact information for resources that can assist them. So um, all in all, it, it's a good article. And uh, I, I think that's something that even if we taught, you know, EMT students or paramedic students, a, a one day course or a seminar on just, you know, how to approach this, I think it'd be really helpful. Yeah. Um, the the other thing I thought was that table two that's in there the uh, how to provide psychology psychological first aid was and this was geared more towards the providers and resiliency is you know re- recreate a sense of scene safety meet your physical needs bathroom food time off time the process like you gave me was you know hey do you want me to sit in the back and I was like nope just need a few minutes to myself yeah back to the station just don't talk to me let me do this stuff and I'll, I'll get back with you in a few minutes. Um, so you had that and establishing meaningful social connections, which I felt like I did with, uh, you know, talking to my wife, talking to my, um, my son's godfather, um, talking to my mom, talking to you, just making sure that, you know, I was talking to friends and family and knew that, um, and then reestablish a sense of efficacy. Oh, that's a big word. You're the word. Careful. <laughs> yeah. Careful oh, on that one. Stroke. <laughs> so, uh, recognize that you did a job well done. Encourage a resumption of normal routines and roles, discuss self-care strategies, all the stuff you and I pretty much talked about the next day was, you know, hey, dude, you know, chillax, get some sleep, relax, you know, and, and like I said, that for me, it was that switch. You know, you said, they said, thank you. You should take that as a good thing. And, you know, for me, it was like, oh, I guess I should. <laughs> well, and, and you should. Uh, you know, I, I think with, with emergency services, it's such an interesting situation because we are dealing with the, the psychology of, of the patient and then the patient's family um, during a death type of scenario. But then you're also trying to, you know, protect yourself and your own psychology mm-hmm. too, and you know, which is the resiliency stuff that we've really been talking a lot about. And uh, yeah, yeah, for me, I, I think a lot of times if if I'm able to deliver that news and stay calm during those situations. Um, in, in the aftermath of that, for, for me as a provider, um, I, I can kind of bounce off of that a little bit. It makes me feel a little better that, um, you know, I, I, I was able to, to, to give that little bit of peace to the family and, and uh, that, that helps me to get through. But, you know, I, as you had indicated too, I, I think for providers that that support structure is so important, you know, whether it be your family, your wife, your mom, 
you know, um, friends, uh, you know, whoever else is with you. And, and I'm not talking about people who are going to go out and get you drunk. I'm talking about people who are really just going to sit there and listen to you and, you know, share stories and, and just let you vent that stuff out there. Cause I think everyone processes things a little differently mm-hmm. and it's, it's up to you as a, as a provider, obviously to figure out how you personally process things best, but to have that support structure is extremely important that you can go back to. And, and, you know, I think some agencies are pretty good in that they have any program and they have someone you can talk to uh, if, if you need to. Uh, but the first step I think is usually just hitting your family, your friends and be like, dude, I had this terrible call the other day. Yeah. And I, and I know for some people it's, it's really hard to reach out to friends and family because they might not be related to the field. Um, even the medical field might not be able to help and associate with that stuff. So it might be harder for, for you to talk to them, but you got to understand us, us as providers in general, um, and, and it's ironic we're talking about this. I'm wearing my Operation Hero T-shirt from Grunt Style, and it's, you know, <laughs> we are in in the eyes of the public, and probably your family, and you might not realize that they view you as a hero. You're out there down and dirty doing this stuff every day. They might not be able to re- relate to you, but they want to help you. There's mm-hmm. so much stuff out there right now about suicide prevention and just general self care, and we've been talking about it for months now. Yep. This resiliency stuff and, and you know, to, for me, for me to actually like, now don't get me wrong. I believed in the resiliency beforehand. I believed it. I went to church for it, but <laughs> to, to be able to share this story with somebody and, and to share it with our listeners. And I, I told you this was really important. I, I really wanted to get this recorded was, you know, guys, I, I crashed after this call, you know, and, and, we it, w- it was an odd shift um besides the fact that i had to take a shower before i went home but you know we've all had those yeah dead bodies um, tend to leave that smell but you know <laughs> not from that call but the other one from, from our doa the only afternoon yeah um it was it was a a to to, to crash like that to look to to be able to recognize number one that i needed to tell you dude i need a minute and for you as my partner as a friend as my preceptor as whatever to say yep gotcha you sat up front didn't bother me you didn't nobody yelled back i don't know what you said to our partner i don't know if you said hey leave him alone for a few minutes or what we got back to the station restocked and then i came to you when you were in the supervisor office and i said to you hey we're good to go you said yep i said all right let's go back in service and you know we took a few more calls and i was good for a while but it always creeps back up on you it does it does and i think uh you know one of the things i can give this advice to everybody out there whether you've been doing this job for a while or whether you're just coming into the field um find out how find out how you process bad things and, and, and find a way to, to start to be a little bit vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and I say that because in order to, in order to open up and share these things with people, to have that discussion with somebody, you do have to be vulnerable. You, you have to be able to say, this is not sitting well with me, you know? Um, and I, I, I liken the mental health stuff. You know, there's, there's so many stigmas that are, you know, hopefully a lot of them are starting to go away now, but um, there's so much stigma to mental health. And, and you know, I'm, I've said to people before, if, if you, got out of the ambulance on a call and you stepped in a pothole and you broke your ankle, you know, you'd, you'd go home. 
you, you'd go home and you'd be out on comp and, and, you know, you, you'd tell everybody about it and you'd be like, Oh yeah, I broke my ankle, man. You know, and you're, you're physically unwell to work. You, you can't come back until you're fixed. Right. You know? Um, and, and I don't, there's not a lot of difference between that and your mental health, man. I mean, if you, if you snap after a call, cause something you just saw was horrible or you've had just a cumulative collection of calls that, you know, they finally just push you over the edge and break you, man. I mean, there's, there's no shame in that. That's, but you have yeah. to be vulnerable enough to open up and say, I, I need help. You know, I, I didn't break my ankle. I don't need an orthopedic surgeon. Um, I, 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 you know, I broke my head and I need a psychiatrist, um, or, or, or a therapist or both. And, uh, and, and that's okay. You know, um, you, you can't be, you can't be that calm person and deliver that news, you know, the way that you did JD, uh, and the way that we've talked about on, on this episode, uh, to somebody else, if you are not well inside and, right. uh, you, you, I would say you can't be a good patient advocate at all if you're not well in, in, in your head. No, I, and I 100% agree with you on that. Um, like I said, I mean, for me, I, I wanted to get this out there. I think it's an important topic to talk about it. If you are having trouble, we've been saying this for since the beginning of the podcast, really, you know, seek help, get help. Um, but I, I, it's one of the things that we off of this that we were getting at was, is that there's really not a lot of training for us were there. And, you know, obviously we don't have a training program put together, but there are resources out there for you. Um, I did a quick search earlier and it's funny. It came up through Forbes. Um, the uh, title of the article is 13 ways to get better at delivering bad news. And obviously this has to do with delivering bad news to an employee. And it's not really something that you're doing in this, but these also, these 13 bullet points also, translate very well to delivering the news that somebody is deceased and passed away and words that I'm not supposed to use. Yeah. Um, There's a couple of good ones in there. Yeah. So like number one is anticipate and prepare for questions. You, you, you know, you're going to get questions, you know, you're, you're going to tell somebody they died more than likely. The first question you're going to get is, did they suffer? Yep. You know, and, and knowing that, um, there is studies out there where, you know, people have said that they've died and they've been brought back, but they don't remember anything. So, you know, there's a, a couple of research studies out there that say that um, it was actually referenced in the Jebs article. So, and I, I can't go back to it because I'm trying to use my fire tablet here. Um, number two is <laughs> be the first to break the news. So, and I thought this was interesting based on ours was, is you went out there and you told her, hey, this is what's going on. This is what we're doing. We're trying to revive them a little bit. You know, and that just be honest is number three. That's pretty self-explanatory, you know, using words like dead or uh, death. Uh, offering a clear explanation of your decisions. Expressing empathy is number four. And then number five. Um, number six is remaining calm, which this is the one that is like you just said, it's crucial to everything. It's it's going to make things flow better. Um, number seven is don't sugarcoat it. This also goes to using death. Number eight is own the situation. I'm not sure if this one directly um, goes in line with, you know, delivering it because you're not really owning a problem. You're, well, I guess you are, you know, hey, you know, we did this, we did that. Um, Know what you're not going to say is number nine. Genuinely apologize and offer solutions is number 10. And this is all covered in that grieving thing too. Now that I'm thinking about it. Um, Number 11 is stick to the facts, but be considerate. Um, number 12 is probably not related to this and it's doing the compliment sandwich. So you can't really make a sandwich of good news, 
Then bad news and your good news. wallpaper, your wallpaper's fantastic in this room, ma'am. Um, your husband's died, uh, but 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 really, the garden just—it looks great. Ties the house together. Um, and then acknowledging the recipient's frustrations is number thirteen. So th- it's a very well written article, and it, I know it pertains more to um, job related stuff and, and being a, a leader and, and telling somebody they're doing bad at a job. But you know, those those points those bullet points are quick references for an emt or a paramedic to give family some bad news um Um, and those things resonate into other areas too it's not just giving bad news i mean it's uh those type of things also come into play when you're dealing with a a partner who you don't get along with or you are uh you know talking to a supervisor about uh, a system that's not working out or you come to your uh, director of education to tell him that uh, his training program sucks. You know, it's one of those things that, uh, (laughs) (laughs) you know, (laughs) you you can do it tactfully. um, And and I'll tell you that the people, you know, when when they're looking for promotion down, down the road, I've sat in these meetings before and these interviews and, 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 you know, we look at those people who can do those things, who can remain calm and, you know, speak clearly and, and are, are, psychologically sound but uh that goes into a whole different area so yeah well yeah so i think one of the other things too that um for ems providers there are um what are those called crisis intervention classes Mm -hmm. cis crisis intervention whatever um it's to be you know be a debriefer essentially um and I, i i took one back ooh 2010, 2011, somewhere around there, um, with one of our uh, former manager, a former HR manager, and really didn't do anything with it. It was, like, hey, go see what this class is about. It was a two day class, a lot of good information. That they still run it in our area. Um, I'm sure that it's run all over the country, um, but it's it's essentially crisis intervention. So it's going there and it's doing it. That was loud. Um, Motorcycle. I don't know. I live. Yeah. People are anyways. Um, but it's, it's, you know, helping people after trauma. So, you know, debriefing in, a, we did group intervention, the one I did. Um, so not individual, but that class will help. They give a lot of good information in that. So that's a, if you're interested in something like that and, and trying to help out in that way, if you are that person, cause we've talked about this before when I, when we've said, you know, it's okay to be okay and it's okay to not be okay. You know, that's it's if you're a person that's okay after stuff, and which I would have said that I was one of those people, um, it's okay to help and do stuff. So that might be something you're interested in. Absolutely. I I think I just sent you the link for that one for our area. So if you are a Western New York listener uh, in one of the eight counties of uh, this area, uh, you'll be able to see those uh, classes up there. It's uh, WNY Stress. They can Everybody just you. heard my email come through. <laughs> yes. But yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I thought it was really super important for us in general to, to, to have this conversation. You know, we, we live in a world right now where people are isolated from others and we are getting to some sense of normalcy for some people, um, for some divisions of the phases or whatever the heck we're doing. New York state's a lot different than everyone else, but we're killing it. Um, more ways than one. Um, but we're, we're 
to, you gotta, I don't know. It, it, it's, I felt like my story would resonate with people. I felt that it was important to say, you know, I, I think it was that Monday after this. And we were actually funny story. I think you and I were getting on a truck cause it was busy. And I looked at you and I said, we really need to tell this story because I think it's important. I think there's people out there that don't, that look at us and, and think, oh, you know, those are two seasoned veterans, even though I'm young, but, well, younger. Um, but, you know, I'm 15 years on the job. You're, you're what, almost 20, 22? Somewhere around there, Sean? Yeah, I just lost you for a minute. Yeah, yeah. Look at that. So you're like, what, 22 years on the job? Uh. 26 so, all you know, together. But, uh, 26. Well, yeah, if you include all together, I'm closer to 18. But either way, you know, I I felt that it was important that our listeners know that we're not big, rough and tough guys and we puff our chests out and we look good, that, it, you know, we are affected by this too. Well, I'm so, tough and I, I look good. You, you're six foot nine and... <laughs> You have chicken legs, so I'm six foot ten with chicken legs, man. Don't forget it. Yeah, those, keep those things hidden away next time. No more shorts for you. Those things are scary. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just think it was really important that you know people number one see us as human beings because even though we are the EMS wise guys, we are paramedics, we are managers, we are leaders. We're also human beings, and we can be affected by this stuff too. I think you're uh, dead on with that, JD. I think uh, I think it was a good story to share, and uh, you know, for for whatever uh, we can do on the wise guys and, and individually to uh, help others get through difficult stuff, which is always part of this job, uh, we are happy to deliver that. So, um, hopefully, uh, we'll, we'll probably talk more about this on further episodes. Uh, you know, if you, if you are a a person who deals directly with psychology of stuff, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Um, you can mm-hmm. get us at a podcast at emswiseguys.com or uh, you can message us on Facebook or uh, you can just Instagram, Twitter. Yeah, any one of those uh, various platforms. And, uh, you know, let us know what kind of uh, experience you've had in, in dealing with, with tough stuff. And uh, that's what I got, man. Yep. Everybody be safe out there and don't forget to ask for help. Oh, my guy. The EMS Wise Guys are John J.D. DeVirgilio and Sean P. Hulsman. The podcast is recorded and produced in the Speakeasy Studios, Amherst, New York. All opinions and ideas presented are the opinions and ideas of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of the hosts or guest employers. Theme music for the podcast provided by Scott Holmes. If you have feedback, praise, questions, complaints, or death threats, please contact us at podcast at emswiseguys.com. Thank you for listening and be safe out there.